Hello and welcome to this edition of the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Thanks for joining us again. And with me here in the studio, so to speak, that is my classroom, is Pastor Adam Moyer from the Beloit Family Worship Center. So, Adam, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You've been in Beloit now for a couple of years now? I've been in Beloit for almost two years now. Almost, yeah. My family and I moved here from Dixon, Illinois in January, or I'm sorry, uh, June of 2016, where I was pastoring a church called Dixon Assembly of God. So I've been involved in youth and family ministries prior to that for about 12 years. Um, so I've been a lot of times, and uh, to some regards, still doing youth ministry as uh, most of our staff is fairly young. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're talking about youth and family today. We're talking about the family. And the reason why we're doing that is because you and I next week are going to be right here in this building at the Community Strong Family Conference, Real Life, Real Hope. And this is our third year doing that, and I'm pretty excited. In fact, you and I are going to be in a, a panel discussion for teens. Tell us why I mean, you've been you uh, last year. You were actually one of the keynote speakers. Yep. And literally one of the only times I've ever seen a pastor lose his marbles right there in the middle <laughs> of a message. What what has given you a passion to really get involved in this conference? The main thing is families. To be honest with you, I see such a de-emphasis on strong families being created today. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative way because I, I believe in all of our families that we really love our families, want to support our families. But there's been uh, – our, our culture has led itself in such a capacity where – Families are deteriorating mm. because we're crowding family time out and the importance of family and as well as all the cultural issues that are surrounding us today. I mean, they've been there for a long time, drugs and alcohol, uh, peer pressure friends, uh, but they're just escalating at a large, large rate. Bullying is at, at a real high right now. All of those things, uh, I feel as though, have a, a negative impact on the family. And if we don't address them soon and if we don't be part of that, then it's just going to get continually yeah. worse and I believe that the Bible has the answer to those solutions. And so that's what really makes me passionate about this conference and what's me passionate about just families in general is let's uh, install them with the hope of Jesus Christ and the hope that the Bible has in order to raise strong biblical Christian families. Yeah, and that's what we're that's really our goal. You know, as a school, we can only do so much with, with the student at the desk. And there's often a backstory to every child who walks in that in that building, in this building here. So that's one of the reasons why we got a passion to do this, because we want to just not help that one little child. We want to help the whole story here, the family in general. And as you said, the only way to do that is through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through scriptural teaching. That's the only thing that can change hearts, change minds, and, and change lives. So it, it is the uh, our, our Community Strong Conference, a real hope, real life, real hope. And you can look at www.rccsfamilyconference.com for more information. But that's this upcoming Friday and Saturday, March 23rd and 24th. On Friday night, the 24th at 7 o'clock, we start off with our family fun night. Lots of different games, board games, free food. There'll be games in our, in our bright, awesome new gym that you want to be a part of. And then the next day is our actual conference starting at 9 o'clock. We'll have two uh, sessions with Pastor Todd Popes, a pastor out in Milwaukee. Uh, I've heard him before. Great, great speaker, great reputation. You'll want to hear him. And then we have several breakout sessions in between those. There'll be tracks for teens, for really any type of family situation. We want to encourage you to come. And uh, this is not 
a conference for the family that has it all together. This is for my family. You know, my family's messed up because I'm the head of it. So um, I, I need help. And I've been blessed the last two years. And uh, I think our listeners will be blessed showing up this time. Yep. Amen. So we're talking about the family. So how would you define our, our first segment here is definitions. How would you define what a family is? Well, I, I do not define family through blood, first and foremost. Uh, meaning some people will have that concept that you have to be blood related. Mm. I, you know, I come from a, my mom has been married three times. I've got half sisters and stepsisters. Uh, and I got to tell you, they're, they're not half and stepsisters. They are my sisters. Yeah. And that's why I say that. I don't define it by blood. I define it by the relationships that we have, that, w- that we value. And I think that's a, a huge thing. So I define it as a, a family nucleus that has got a common set of principles of all moving forward together in that family dynamic. However, that uh, family dynamic plays out in our households. You know, for my family, you know, it's uh, my wife and our son, Elijah, who's five, and our daughter, Adeline, who is two. And that's our family dynamic, you know, and along the way, you know, we've got friends as well that I would consider like family as, that I think is included in that. So I, it's hard to really define it. A family is A, B, C, and D. Right. I think family is what you make it and how that fits in your your local context. Yeah, and, and as an adoptive father, I have to agree. It's not just blood that makes a family. Uh, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, I don't want to get political, but, you know, Hillary Clinton wrote a book about uh, It Takes a Village. And, of course, every conservative author jumps on that, and it's wrong. You know, as as I've been parenting, I found, man, my family, of con- my, my concept of family has to expand because there's so many who, who have entered into this this relationship that have been a huge blessing to us that we couldn't couldn't do it without them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, relatives that we didn't know existed in all of this. So, yeah, family... It, it, we we can't just think of family as just the the nuclear family that we've thought of since you know the 1950s or whatever. We have to kind of expand upon that. Now we're not getting into to all of the stuff within current events and you know about changing family, but we have to we have to say that things have changed. We have to not keep up with that, but we have to address that because the Bible addresses that. God wants us to to speak to these issues. So we we've, we've talked about what a family is, and again, we're not going to have a, a narrow definition. We want to go to the scriptures, and, and Pastor Adam, is there anything that jumps out of your mind? What scriptures do you do you think of when you think of the concept of family? There's a couple, and one you talked about earlier prior to this. In fact, I, I taught on this principle a few weeks back on Sunday morning at our church, and I used Ephesians uh, 5, yeah. uh, which I, I love to be able to use um, for that context. And it, it's kind of a hard one to, to really define, but what I love about it is... First of all, the relationship between husband and wife is pivotal in a relationship. And the context in Ephesians chapter 5, it says that, you know, wives, you must submit to your husbands. And I know that in our culture today, and again, I'm not trying to be political. Right. Uh, that's not a, a common language. But I think where we forget is the second part of that scripture when it says, and, and husbands, you must love your wives as Christ of the church. Right. And 
even though that some males will sit there and say that wives, you need to submit and you need to obey what the head of the household is saying. Um, I think that that's a male chauvinist point of view. Um, and I, that's just my, my thought on it. Whereas if you really look at the scriptures, what it says about how husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the, loved the church, there's a greater responsibility on the husbands right. to really love their families and really love their wives. I mean, what did Christ do for his bride, the church? He laid down his life. And so that responsibility for the husband really means that, you know, we need to be willing to die for our spouses. You know, I remember standing there uh, on a Sunday morning talking about that. And I said, you know, I love my wife with every fiber of my being. And uh, I said, you want to see a pastor lose his dignity real quick? I go, go and touch my wife because I will guarantee you I will take you out. <laughs> I said, <laughs> And I, it might sound violent, but that's how I am. I go, I am, I, I'm my wife's protector. She doesn't need protection. Um, you know, she's a strong woman herself. And, but at the same time, I've got her back. Right. And I think that is where family needs to define it. And then that, I hope that that's what my kids see. Yeah. I hope my kids see that, man, my dad, that their dad has got mom's back every single time. And the beautiful thing about that, and I think this is where, wives submitting to their husbands really comes into play. When my wife sees that, what I think happens is it puts us together as a team mm. where there's, it's, it's really not her submitting to me or me submitting to her. It's mutual submission to each other. Right. And I think that's the element that sometimes gets lost in the, in the message of, of the family. And so I, I find it very difficult to talk about the importance of family without talking about the mutual submission that we have for one another. If I'm going through a problem in life and in ministry, my wife is the one that has my back. She yeah. is my greatest supporter, and I am hers. You know, and I think even in the context of Ephesians, uh, you said it well, you're mutually submitting to each other as you are both submitting to Christ. Amen. And that's the bigger picture that I think Paul is driving at here. Uh, I've heard the illustration of you know the triangle. If you're both you know, coming closer to Christ in your, in your, in your relational fashion, you're both coming together individually as well. Amen. So you're submitting to your, to your wife and she's submitting to you in the, in, within that relationship of Jesus Christ. That's the goal that that's our, our ultimate vision is to please God in everything that we do to worship him, to love him, to display that for others. As we're doing that, that's going to form that family and, and bring everyone closer together. I also like to point out, going into the Greek of uh, Ephesians 5.22. So why submit, your, submit to your own husbands? First, that doesn't say all women should submit to all men. It, it's, women to, it, it's a woman to her own wife. And, yep, and, absolutely. And in the Greek, the word there for own is the word idios, which a loose translation, it why is. submit yourselves to your own, your idiot husbands. And so <laughs> my wife can... She knows what that's all about. So. <laughs> but yeah, Ephesians 5, I think, is, is the classic passage. And even going into Ephesians 6, we, then we bring in children to the situation. Yep. You know, I, I want to bring up, since you've, you've gone over this, uh, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, I like to focus on verse 1. Children, obey your parents, you know. But how do you think verse 4 plays into this? In other translation uses the word do not exasperate mm. your children 
That's not the ESV, so we don't care. No, just, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but I, I like both words. Yeah. Uh, exasperate and provoke. I, I've done a lot of study on this one, and I, I love that verse. And I'm so thankful you brought that up because I think that we do that today. We exasperate and we provoke. Mm-hmm. So I want to ad- address the first word, exasperate, that yeah. I brought up uh, because... When we exasperate our children, we're not doing, giving them any real biblical value. And I, I think that we live in a culture where we are exasperating our children. Yeah. And this is what I mean by that. Um, I am a huge, huge sports fan. Okay. And so I love sports. You name a sport, I've just always been that way. You know, I'm a former professional athlete, whole nine yards. And I see parents exasperating their children in the area of extracurricular activities today, Hmm. wearing them out. That is what that word exasperate really means. And what we do, and I'm not, and I'm not against sports. I'm not against school sports by any stretch of the means. But I think as parents that we need to learn to try to model proper balance in our children's lives so that they will learn how to have balance uh, first and foremost, balance in their relationship with Jesus Christ, yeah. as well as balance in the fun things that they enjoy to do, because otherwise we're just wearing them out. And the first thing that happens is we get so caught up in the exasperation, the wearing out, yeah. that we end up crowding Jesus out. And Jesus, our relationship with Christ, becomes an add-on that we do on yeah. Sunday mornings as long as we can squeeze it in. Right. If there's um, not a game. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If there's not a game. And please uh, don't take this as a way that I'm against sports because I'm not. I just, I, I've seen it too often where we're wearing our kids out. I, I look at my own childhood and my, so I was a professional BMX racer and I was traveling the country. I was gone every single weekend. You know, I was gone four days out of the week at a different national event racing and I, I never, God was not something that was in our family at all. It wasn't a big deal. And we're doing the same thing with traveling baseballs and all these other things that are going on today. And I think we can wear our children out. Again, I'm not against those things. As much as I am, we have to create healthy balance. Because I see kids moving from sport to sport to sport, and all of a sudden, 365 days a year, they're gone at a different event, a different practice, and they have no time for Christ. And the second element is do not provoke your kids to anger i think that the two of them work hand in hand if exasperating and anger and how do we provoke our kids to anger uh, i wish i could say i have the the full answer and solution to this problem because um i don't you know i, I really don't but i think one way that we provoke our kids to anger is by not by not showing Christ's love and teaching them you know, I, I mean, I've got, my kids are five and two. Temper tantrums are, are a common element in our home. Yeah. <laughs> and I think one of the ways that, you know, like my son, Elijah, he's five, you know, just the other day, you know, he's, I had to tell him no for something. And heaven forbid you tell a five-year-old right. no. I mean, I, I got to tell you, it seems like all the gates of mm. hell are going to come against you in one, <laughs> in one moment when that happens. You know, but I think one of the ways that we do that now, I use that because he was angry, you know, he was mad, but I think how we provoke them to anger is when we don't take those elements to teach them how to respond correctly in a biblical manner, you know, and so we sit down and we 
after he gets done throwing his temper tantrum because there is no negotiating with a temper tantrum. Right. right. <laughs> you know, so after it's all said and done, I think one of the things that we like to do is sit him down and say, hey, you know, Elijah, you know that we love you. Do you know why this was wrong? And do you know, do you know why I told you that we can't do this right now? And I begin to explain to him and I try to teach him analytical thinking skills because I think you can do that. Yeah. You know, in fact, I, I really believe it's, it's happening because uh, our son Elijah, he's in kindergarten and we hear, hear in school about some of the language that he uses and how it's different from the other kids. And, you know, when kids are getting ready to come up with an idea, you know, he'll sit there and say, well, and a, a, our five-year-old does not talk like a five-year-old. Mm. He talks like a, a mental health counselor half the time. <laughs> That's my wife. <laughs> my wife is a mental health counselor and, you know, kids will talk to her or kids will talk to him about what's going on or what they think is a good idea. And our teacher was telling him at a parent teacher conference just last week, you know, when these ideas happen, he'll sit there and he'll say, well, I'm not entirely sure if this is a good idea, because if I do this, this is what's going to happen. Hmm. That's going to be A, B, I mean, just, yeah. and I, I thought about that and I'm like, well, gosh, that's when I sit down and talk to him. That's what I'm doing. This is why right. you don't do this. And in his own five-year-old way, he's articulating that to other five- and six-year-old kids. Hmm. And he's not getting angry when he when in the middle of those contexts. He does it at home, which I'm fine with at home. I prefer it at home versus yeah. out in public. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's one of the ways that we can try to curb that provoking to anger because they're going to get get anger. And I think sometimes we can do that by our response. How are we interacting with our kids? Yeah. I mean, are we, are we yelling at our kids? Well, I'm not, I'm not trying to say there's times where I do yell at our kids. My wife yells at our kids as well, but the way that we respond to our children can provoke them to anger. Right. I believe it's uh, 70% of all communication is nonverbal. Yeah. And so even the tone of your voice can provoke a child to anger the way that you look your body language all of those kind of things uh, i think all of those play an element and so i think that we have to be very intentional about not only what we're saying but how we're saying yeah. it and how we communicate because that can provoke to to anger as well you know one of the things that i've come to in, not to embrace but to really think about is what am i teaching my child at this moment am i teaching my child how to be angry when I'm yelling at That's my good. child, I get that thought in the back of my head. What is my communication right now showing him about how to respond to a situation that doesn't go your way? Well, oftentimes when I, I find myself yelling at my kids, it's not so much about what they've done, but what they've done to me. Now my schedule is messed up or now something is broken. And so now I have a personal offense and I'm taking it out on them. But I'm, what am I teaching them in that moment? I'm not teaching them a godly response. I'm teaching them how to get angry. And, uh, man, parenting is tough. I don't it know is. how you guys do it. But. It, it is tough. Not, there, and the wonderful thing about it is there's no real manual for it. Right. But the Bible is the closest thing that we have to a manual. And I think it has a lot of the, the answers that we need. And I think you're right. What are you teaching your kid? That's a great, great point. You know, um, it, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think about that. Even, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, am I, am I teaching my son how to, in the middle of his anger, how to DDT his sister? Yeah. You know, or something like that. And the reason why I bring that up, not because he does that or because I do that to anyone in our family. <laughs> but my, 
my son and I like to wrestle. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, we were always messing around. Yeah. He's, I think, I, I believe he thinks I'm a human jungle gym. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I bring that up because there are times when in the middle of even roughhousing that he'll hurt me. Yeah. You know, because he'll do something or, you know, or even the same time, like, you know, I, you know, I didn't realize that I might have him in a weird position, but how, and that, even in those moments when we're interacting in a playful way, you know, with our children, are we teaching them when some, in a negative context? So if something happens unexpected, yeah, is there anger and how do you respond in a biblical way? Right. Because that, that was the first thing that came to my mind because that's, that's what happens. That's what happened this morning yeah. with our, with my son. We were having a pillow fight on, <laughs> on the bed, you know, and uh, he turned around and uh, let's just say the pillow flew out of his hand and he clocked me in the head. Uh. <laughs> You know, and I didn't yell at him. I didn't do all that. Um, a lot of times I would have. Yeah. I just said, "Ow," you know, and and he laughed at it and when he did that. He laughed at me, and I began to talk. And I did get upset at him, laughing. No, that's not an appropriate yeah. response to be able to do that. Um, but how do we teach? Right. Because I can't say my response has always been that way. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could say there and say, "Yeah, every time he's done something like that, I've always responded in a biblical way. I never raised right. my voice, yeah. and no, I no, I'm not like that at all." But that's a good point. What in our anger and frustration? Yeah. What are we modeling to our kids? Right. You know, even in the especially in the unexpected. Yeah. And that's where I'm thankful for the grace of God because <laughs> I it's, that's not always my. I can say there are times where I, I think I, you know what, pat myself on the back. Yeah, I handle that situation great, but that's not every day. Um, and I've got anger issues of my own that I that I try to work, which is why I need a conference like this community strong, community strong, <laughs> real life, real, real hope. hope. So anyway, we're going to move on to our dangers to avoid section. We talked a little bit about some extremes. You, you talked about balance. Maybe expound upon that a little more, how a a loss of balance can really throw your family off. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so true. Loss of balance. We all have them. And I think that you have to define what that balance is in our individual homes and families. Yeah. Um, I think our routines really define our balances a lot of times. Mm. Um, we all have them. I've got my routine. You interrupt my routine. Sometimes it's not pretty. Uh, (laughs) and kids have a wonderful tendency to interrupt your routine and so I've had to learn to adapt but I I think that you have to define that balance for yourself and this is how we've defined the balance in our home Um, we've stated that our relationship with God is going to be first and foremost Um, that's a number one priority for our balance and that means that church is a non-negotiable yeah. Um, when it comes to kids' sporting events, and we'll sit there and tell them, be like, sorry, Sunday, our kids are in church. They are going to worship God. We are going to honor the Sabbath. Mm. Um, we've, my wife and I, we've had these conversations. And it's not because I'm a pastor. It's because of the balance. Yeah. It's, that's what matters. Same thing if, if grandma and grandpa and my parents aren't believers. If they take uh, Elijah for the weekend, we say our balance is on Sundays, our kids will be in church. So if you're going to take them... You know, that's fine if you live out of town, but I want to know where you're taking the church. Yeah. You know, this is part of our balance. And so we've defined it that, and then we've also defined our activities. What are going to be our activities? We've made a rule that 
with our kids that they're going to be involved in one extracurricular sporting event, basically a season. So basically no more than two a year. Um, That's how we've defined it. We're like, hey, we'd love for you to be involved in sports, but we don't want you to be so wrapped up where it becomes your life. That's how we've defined balance is that it was going to be our relationship with God and we want to make sure that we have enough family time for each other. And one of the ways that we did that was even for myself, even me. You know, I limit my speaking engagements to just the church primarily. I might take a few here or there, but localize. But I I used to travel around and preach at other churches on the weekends quite frequently. And so I've limited that so that I can have balance in my family as well. I think that's one of the, the areas that we do. That. That's how we've defined it. And I think every family has to define that balance for themselves right. and then stick to it. Yeah. Like we're very, we're very adamant about, nope, here's, the, here's our balance. We're not getting out of balance hmm. in this area. If, you know, if our son wants to do something, we'll sit there and say, sorry, you, know, you want to do this? We'll love for you to play this sport, but we're going to have to look at it next season. Right. You know, and that season will come around and we'll say, hey, Elijah, do you want to, you know, I mean, soccer was the new one. You know, Elijah, do you want to play soccer this year? You know, well, no, I really don't want to now. You know, maybe in the fall then. Yeah. You know, that's how, that's how we handle that. Well, the other, the other danger I wanted to bring up, which, which, which is what I've seen and I've been a part of, is the idolization of the family to the point of the family can't be real. This is the... The classic, we're going to bring our kids on Sunday morning. They're going to sit in the pew, which is good, but we're going to project this particular image of this perfect family that never <laughs> acts up, that never does anything wrong, and we're all going to curse each other out on the van ride home. But when we're here, we want everyone to think this is, first of all, it, it's, it's incredibly hypocritical. It doesn't help those children at all, and you're ignoring the bigger issue. This is why we have such a problem today, I'm convinced, with... Uh, sexual abuse and physical abuse of children because we have this idea that if we show up to church, we have to hide whatever blots or whatever problems that we have because we have to project this image and that is deadly to your faith and it's deadly to your family mm-hmm. and that needs to be shunned at all costs. No, I think that's great. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful point you bring up is authenticity. That's yeah. what I think of when you, you define it the way that you just defined it as authenticity. And I think that's huge, you know, just being real, being who we yeah. are. And uh, I think that's important. I think that, you know, we try to model that while we're at church as, you know, my wife, you know, she's our worship pastor and, you know, very heavily involved in ministry, you know, and then myself. And we, we try to model that even on, on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. you know, we're not afraid if our kids are doing something to discipline them and yeah. we don't act like they're perfect, you know, um, right. Uh, I hope not. I hope people, when people look at our lives, I, I hope that they see people that are real. Yeah. You know, which goes back to the Real Life, Real Hope Conference. You know, right. that's why, kind of why we're doing that. You know, life sometimes stinks, you know, but I, I hope that we see authenticity. And I think that's yeah. the big thing is just being real. I, you know, I had, I, I can't go into any details, but I had a, a meeting. It goes a little different. I had a meeting uh, this past week, um, very unfortunate circumstances. And it was a very high political figure and asked my opinion on how to handle something biblically. Yeah. 
Um, why they asked me, I have no idea. There's, uh, they should have came and talked to you. You're the biblical scholar here, man. Um, but the, the point was that I found out later, which I, I thought I was so humbled and honored by this, because um, I don't mean to bring any recognition to myself here. But you know, my family asked, are you, are you going to, you're not going to, my wife actually said, you're not going to say anything stupid, are you? <laughs> That's what she actually said. And I said, probably, I don't know how to be anybody else but me <laughs> in the situation. But I found out through the context of our conversation the reason why I was asked to give input was that's when the, we post our videos online and they're on local television yeah. and they, they saw how we interact uh, on the stage as well as heard some things about how I am behind the scenes as well. And they said, you know, you're someone that was very blunt and to the point. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you don't really beat around the bush at all. Right. And it seems like that matches. And I thought that I, I took that as a compliment. Yeah. I really did because I hope that that's what people see in me right. because I'm, I, I try very hard to make sure that I'm the same person in front of a crowd as well as yeah. who I am behind closed doors in my own home. Right. You know, I don't act like I have it all together and sometimes I do boneheaded things. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's what grace is all about and that's what love is all about. And my problem is that, you know, when you start hiding problems, those are problems that are not addressed. And those are problems that are going to foster and fester and, and grow, and that's going to harm everybody. Well, You're not I, helping anybody by putting on that projection. Well, and I, you know, we're talking about dangers to avoid. And I know that this is a, a touchy subject, and I'm not trying to change subjects, but I think that you, you said something about this situation yeah. that triggered something, that a thought in me, when that is the area of really sexual sin in the family yeah. today. And I, I know that this is a, a touchy, touchy subject, but I think that what you're talking about is a big reason why we see an increase in pornography. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a huge danger in families yeah. today. Um, the Definitely. average, um, I, I believe right now, not only pornography, but even in our kids, I believe uh, late, uh, the latest statistic that I read, I believe it was by Barna, said that the average first time sexual experience is 12 in a school yeah. system today. And the average first-time encounter of sexual material online is by the age of eight. Yeah, uh, I think that was I could be wrong on that stat, but I, I'm pretty sure it was somewhere in that ball. Yeah. Really, really young, as well as I think it was uh, over 80% of married men have have some form of struggle of pornography today. Uh, that were under the age of 40. Um, there yeah. are uh, roughly 50% of all pastors who have at least claimed to have some form of struggle or temptation yeah. in internet pornography. I think the idolization of the family breeds this hmm. problem. I think it's a huge contributing factor to that. When we're, especially not only the idolization, but the out of balance yeah. situation. Um, and I bring all those, I'm a stat guy, I love stats. Yeah. They paint pictures to me and it tells me how bad things really are. And the fact that the Bible has the hope to be yeah. able to curb these these problems, yeah. and those are just huge, those things break my heart when I yeah. when I hear about them, and forms of sexual sin that are taking place. Um, I, I did a, a sermon um, last month on the issue of sexual sin and pornography in the church. Yeah, um, talked about it Sunday morning, and talked about the dangers to avoid, and that was one of the dangers yeah. that I brought up and talked about the importance of secrecy in the marriage yeah. and i said you know 
And mm-hmm. and I just I'm going all that route because it was it was such a beautiful thing. I said, and I grabbed my phone here and I said, my wife has got access to my phone at yeah. all times. Right. She knows my password. She knows the password on every single account that I yeah. have. Um, she has she has full access to everything in my life at any given point in time. Right. Um, she knows what they are. I don't hide them from her. And vice versa, because we don't want any secrecy yeah. in our marriage, because it will destroy a marriage every yeah. single time, and it Absolutely. will breed these kind of problems. Um, I talked about the importance of internet uh, filters, yeah. um, and knowing what our, our children are on. I mean, I I personally, right now, I am I am holding, um, I believe it's eighteen different men accountable in the area of pornography mm. through software programs and other monitoring systems. It's a problem today. Let, let me add, as a teacher, your kids are struggling with this problem. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know who you are listening, but your kids are struggling with this problem. It is the the number one thing that I have students approach me about in private. How do I deal with this struggle? And those are just the ones who are honest about it. Your kids' parents are struggling with this issue. It needs to be addressed. I don't know how many parents I've talked to who said, no, my, my child doesn't know anything about that. They're so in they're, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not. And you need to at least, maybe they are, but you need to assume that they're not. Because uh, your child is a sinful creature and has temptations just like anybody else. And when this stuff is so available and so accessible, you need to assume that problem exists because it most likely does mm-hmm. so absolutely. many children absolutely yeah. all right so we've talked about uh dangerous so ap- application your first application is to come to this conference <laughs> that's the number one thing you need to do a real hope real life yep again www.rccsfamilyconference.com it's at rock county christian school 916 bushnell street here in beloit so again that's saturday night the 23rd and saturday excuse me friday night the 23rd Saturday morning, the 24th, from 9 to noon. So this is good. And in terms of application, I think uh, you hit on uh, a key thing about accountability, not just in forms of, of, of pornography and sexual sin, but even in the family in general. I, I think it's good to have somebody who can talk some truth into your life, whether it's your pastor or, or, or whoever who can say, listen, I've noticed this about you. You're, you're out every day this week. You, you need to stay home or your kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what other applications would you draw from this? Well, I would, I would put um, accountability as the number one yeah. thing to add to a family. Um, you know, I've had to deal with a, just another a, a prominent figure this week um, who had a, an issue of um, a very sinful problem that, you know, by the grace of God, uh, man, this guy is going to be fully, he's going to be outstanding when he comes through this problem that mm-hmm. he just openly talked to us about. And I think he hit the nail right on the head and I can't disclose any names, but he said, when I come through this, there'll be no greater fan of accountability mm-hmm. than me. Because if I was held accountable, I never would have gone to this direction. Yeah. And, he's, and his point was that he created all the systems. He had all the right practices in place. Did all the right things. You know, on the surface, everything looked perfect. But he didn't have someone to help hold him accountable mm. to make sure that it was maintained. Yeah. And so my point with all of that is we can do, have everything correct. 
But if we don't have someone who's willing to uh, pour into us and hold us accountable, then it can all fall apart yeah. real quick. And I think accountability is the number one thing. You know, and you, you just said something right there that this person is going to be stronger. He's looking forward to the end of this. Now, of course, the end of this is not the end of accountability. No. Uh, but a victory over this sin. Amen. And wouldn't you want that in your family? Amen. And, and you know, because so many families are struggling with situations they don't want to talk about. They don't want people to know about, but as long as they do that, that sin is going to continue, and the effects of that sin will continue to wreak havoc in your home. Wouldn't you want victory over that? And you can, but you've got to speak up, and you've got to have someone who can speak truth into your life, and you've got to be able to receive that, receive the word, receive uh, admonition and teaching, so that you can actually have victory over this, and you can... Be closer to God and experience the joy of your salvation even more, but that comes with transparency. And you got to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the thing with the individual, I was just, and I, I love accountability. I really do. Um, I've got several men who hold me accountable on a regular basis. You know, one of them, he's a personal mentor of mine. His name is Johnny Slick. I love the man to death. He's like a father to me. And um, I'm very open and transparent with him about what's going on. And um, he's very blunt. He goes, well, that was stupid, wasn't it? When I just make a boneheaded decision, you know, and he's a pastor um, as well. But I, I, the danger with accountability is you're only held accountable to the level of accountability that you allow yourself to be accountable to. Yeah. Um, I know that might sound like a oxymoron, but it's true. I'm held accountable by different men, but... If I choose not to be transparent, the level of accountability is dependent upon how well I, uh, how well and how open and transparent I am to these men yeah. that pour into my life. If I choose not to talk to them and not to disclose information and not to talk about the struggles I'm going on, they can't hold me accountable. Right. And I think that's another key form of the application on accountability is yeah. being willing not only to have somebody pour in to you and to be transparent but also your willingness to just put yourself out there and yeah. be vulnerable and isn't that a picture of the new testament church i mean you read through these the pages of the epistles or whatnot and the commands we have to do this with each other with each other with each other with each other implies that there's a there's a bond there that there's accountability transparency all of this in the context of the local church which is it? I hate this idea of churches. You, you you go in, you sit in your pew, you listen to your message, you sing the songs, pray the prayers, and then leave. But when you invest your life in others, and others invest their lives in you, that's a picture of what Christ wants, and that's what we're seeing here. Amen. So, recommended resource. Are there any books that you would recommend uh, on the topic? You said there is no one manual. There is except Emmanuel. Yeah, uh, that, that's good. I think I should write that down. But um, are there any books that you find helpful? in the areas we've talked about. I can't think of the name of the author off the top of my head, but I know the title, and it's called Spiritual Parenting. Hmm. book I read a few years back, and I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. That's definitely one of them, but it's called Spiritual Parenting. And that talked about some of those, some of those elements that we've talked about today. You know, another book that I really enjoyed that really spoke volumes to me Again, I'm not great with authors. You're the, you're the bookmaster yeah. here. Um, but it's another book. There's two of them. One is called Boundaries, and the other one is called Hedges. Okay. 
both of those books are absolutely outstanding. I've, I've, but, uh, Boundaries is a very popular yeah, book. I've heard I, of it. I can't think of the author off the top of my head. But that book talks a lot about the balance in life mm-hmm. and the boundaries that we create to have healthy families. Uh, I'd say those three books are ones that I use personally. Okay. Um, and a lot of times I, I recommend to other people. Well, as you know, as I've said before, my family's messed up. So I have a whole bunch of books here um, <laughs> that I've that, that, that have helped me. Uh, I'm just going to pick a couple that have been helpful. Um, I remember when we first got married, book for men only and for women only, two separate books. Well, um, are these even in print anymore? They said when you first got married. You know, I'm going to ignore that comment. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. These were really good. So the the four men only talks about basically understanding women, and it's a short book for some reason. And the other uh, four women only talking about risks of men. My wife and I read these, and really helpful for us to understand each other. When Sinners Say I Do by Dave Harvey was a good book for us to go through, realizing that yeah, we're two wretched sinful people, and two wretched sinful people together in the same place. No matter how much romance and love there is. There's going to be problems. I'm trying to think of some other books. Blessings from Parenthood is a little book. It's more of a storybook from a friend of mine, Don Woodard, who's eventually going to come on this podcast once he gets right with God and gives me a date. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good little book. And let me see here. What Did You Expect by Paul Tripp was also decent. I just started reading Family Driven Faith by Vaudi Bakum. I know some of you listeners are big fans of his. I just started going through the book. Some helpful material. But the number one manual would be the number one recommendation, Real Life, Real Hope, Family Conference, www.rccsfamilyconference.com. You need to be there this weekend. Well, Adam, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. I hope you'll come back sometime. It'd be great. I love being a part of this. And uh, thank all of you for listening to us. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at BasicBibleCast and tell all your friends. Share the episode. Put it on Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, rate us on iTunes, all that fun stuff. Until next time, have a great rest of your week.